Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 27 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for some off-season talk about our very own Seattle Kraken. Kraken FanCast releases episodes approximately every two weeks during the season. Over the off-season, we'll check in sporadically as team happenings come up, and they are coming up, so we have plenty to talk about today. Uh, on our program, we, of course, discuss all subject matter about the NHL's Seattle Kraken. We share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over some various team-related news. We'll also at times present some interviews with people involved with the team, as well as those in the fan community. Plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on some other Kraken-related podcasts. We'd like to start off today by acknowledging our very kind and generous sponsors for our, our inaugural season, particularly our presenting sponsor, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Okay, fellas, so um, since we last talked, we had, we had a, you know, all this excitement about the draft, had a few free agent sightings, uh, and uh, there have been more, uh, been more. We talked a little bit about uh, Burakovsky, of course, and Martin Jones and, and uh, Justin Schultz earlier, but... Uh, also, uh, you know, in trades and uh, actually in the trades and uh, signings, I should say, uh, one trade here with uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, one I'm pretty excited about forward. He's a 27-year-old acquired in a trade with the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, that happened on July 22. Uh, Bjorkstrand has an NHL career high 57 points, 28 goals and 29 assists last year, uh, third among the Columbus forwards. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, it was kind of the odd man out when they had uh, Johnny Hockey there uh, signing from the Calgary Flames and some other signings. So he was expendable, and that was a good plus for the Kraken to uh, to pick him up. So that was one right there. Another one was a fellow named John Hayden, uh, also another forward, forward excuse me, uh, signing a former Buffalo Sabre to a one-year two-way deal at 750K. Uh, it's been a good two-way player over, over time. Uh, he was originally a Chicago Blackhawk, most recently with the uh, Buffalo Sabres, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what role he plays in the club. Um, also, um, we have some uh, other hirings, too, um, the, of coaches, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, and then before I forget, also um, our very own Ryan Donato, who was, wasn't signed initially. He's been re-signed. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in, though, with this uh, expanded lineup. And then lastly, we have Michael Kempney uh, from the Czech Republic, uh, defenseman. Uh, started off his career with the Chicago Blackhawks, most recently in the Washington Capitals system. Kind of came up and down between the Capitals and their AHL affiliate, Hershey Bears. Uh, he is also another recent signing. So, uh, fellas, what do you think of uh, those pickups and uh, the re-signing of Brian Donato, and how does that that fit in right now at the, as, as the team stands at this moment? Ryan Donato, I 
I'm very happy that he's back. You know, we, we, we were excited about seeing him last year. And then when we found out that he wasn't re-signing, that was kind of deflating. I wanted to keep him around a little bit longer. And then the holdout ended up being, he comes back super excited for that. I'm excited to see everybody, but he's one of the top players that I'm glad we were able to keep around. There's a couple that we've talked about that, you know, wouldn't have been a big deal if, if they had left, but they're around still and they get some more time in Seattle, which is fine. As long as there's room for Donato, there's a lot of fans. He created a big fan base around here, especially with the two of you guys. Yeah, Ryan Donato, that's probably my favorite one out of the entire list. What about you, Jim? Well, I would have to say, I think I think uh, Ronnie did a great job all the way around. And obviously, the writers agree that we were in the top three, actually, on the rank. Um, I like, you know, Burkowski right out of the box was killer. You got a guy with size. You got a forward with size. It's something we've been lacking, right? We've, we've got a lot of cookie cutter 5'9", five, 5'10", five, guys that, that have come in and left already. And I've kind of been squawking about that all year. And it's just kind of nice to see a bit of size, 6'3", 201. And he's in that magic 27-year-old contract time. You know, he's still going to produce. He's coming to a new club. He's going to get more ice time. He was a third-line minute guy before. It's going to pick up. He's going to be on the power play. I was happy about that. And a, a good deal at five-year, 5'5". Five, five. And then, you know, all the other underlining ones, John Hayden's kind of like a utility guy, fourth line. He'll probably be up and down. They'll probably call him in. Uh, when the, the lineup needs to get a little tougher, a little physical, he's got that reputation. So that's a nice little feature. And then Oliver Bjorkstrand, that that was a solid pickup right there. That was that came a little later. Uh, surprising. This guy has mass potential. Same deal. 27 year old, six foot, only 177. He's kind of svelte for his size, but he actually plays tough. He's a great four checker in the corner. He gets to the puck early. He's got good soft hands. He's got a wicked shot, quick release. And he's got a little bit of Northwest ties because he played with WHL, uh, the WHL with the Portland Winterhawks. So people always like that tie. That's going to be a nice pickup. And then, you know, we've got the, the fillers, the, the guys that we resigned, the Cole Linz and the Carson Twinskis uh, to fill out the roster. You know, those are going to be, Cole's going to be a bubble guy up and down. Chris mentioned the Kempney deal. It's a rotating 7D He'll probably see some uh, press box time upstairs looking looking down a bit. Uh, he'll be the, you know, guy that comes in on the injured reserve replacement a lot. Although, uh, you know, I always wonder about guys like that because he was in such a good team. The Capitals, obviously, you know, a, a highly competitive team and, you know, in the playoffs. And and uh, so maybe he's got a little more playing opportunity and something to prove here. So they always wonder about that intangible with someone like that. No doubt. Him and Borgen will probably be shifting back and forth quite a bit. Let me see. We got the Donato thing, which, which is really strange. I mean, the fans were just really uptight about the no signing there for the longest time, you know, and the, and then he, you know, came late and he signed uh, and people were just, it's almost like the people willed him to be here. It feels like, you know what I mean? Uh, Cause there was just so much talk on the internet about it. And he's just, he's a fan favorite and he's a clutch guy. He's a clutch scoring guy. Best season and, you know, of one his point, career last year, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I was at several games when he was getting the game winner or the game tying or whatever, big-time big goals. And, you know, at 1.2, no big deal. 
really. That's really no big deal. I'm kind of surprised nobody snatches him up. So uh, that was that was great for us. Um, other than that, it's pretty smooth all the way down. I mean, I think they worked really well. I think they got two guys that are going to play in the top six, guaranteed, uh, that are producers. That's going to help the other guys that were already in the top six, right? Um, your power play on paper improved dramatically, correct? Um, and, you know, a lot of people were from the draft on were thinking a little bit of defense, you know, we were lacking the defensive dra draft. Well, if you look at, you know, our strong suit last year, right, and I'd say that with a grain of salt, you know, our defensive core was our best deal out of everything. Our offense production was down. Our goaltending totally suffered. Our D was our strongest suit. So he wanted to get up off that 2.1 goal average and, and get it up to where it should be to be the difference in a game winner and maybe pull off 20 points, maybe, you know, who knows? So, yeah, you, you said Jim, uh, not too long ago off recording and everything, you had mentioned something about it would be nice if this was not a defensive heavy draft and it kind of went that way. And I, and I, and I knew why you said that. I mean, we were, I wouldn't say we were defensive heavy too much to begin with. There was a lot of things that could have gone differently, but we really needed some more goal scoring and some, some, uh, some quicker skates, some people that are a little bit better on their feet with the puck, uh, make some smarter decisions. Uh, I'd also like to see some more unselfishness, you know, pass that puck, do what you got to do, but don't just get the puck and just dump it off. You know, I mean, I know there's times where you got to do what you got to do, but it, it's nice I think that this this draft class is going to be a little bit better than the last. I agree totally. Um, you know, they everybody knew. I think we had a projection of about a, a something like a two four two five goal production per game, which is already low. And then they finished off. They fell off, you know, to two one or something. I can't remember what it was. And of course, the power play sucked all year. Um, you got guys that in Burakovsky and and Bjorkstrand that are just ready to go. They're ready to fire pucks and. They're total snipers. Um, we got a little more size up there, and and it's just going to work, you know. And they're they're already going to be slated in the in the uh, top six and in the PP. So I'm not worried about that. And you know, all the experts are looking at going. Wow, what well, what was it? One of the writers wrote about it was on Twitter, I believe, that he had our our left wing slot ranked at one of the top three in the league or something. So that was pretty impressive, right out of the box. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting to see, you know, some of the, what the, all the pundits are talking about. I mean, obviously, they never stop, and we're, we're being pundits ourselves, I suppose. But, you know, we, we got a lot of new faces on there. Some guys have gone off to the wayside, but there are still some guys that are uh, still on the team, and where are they going to fit in? You know, what, what, do you, what are you thinking, Jim, like what are the lines are going to look like? Or what, what are your thoughts of like what the, you know, I will talk a little bit about, I have one projected thing of lines and obviously these lines will change uh a lot but as, as they did all last year but what, what are your thoughts on where is everybody going to fit well you know it's kind of funny that it seems like as soon as you pick up a new roster and you pay attention to your own club you know in the media everybody puts their 10 cents out there on what they think it's going to be and that's fine um you may project your top six to the t but after that it get it gets a little tough right a lot of the guys they had projected were like, you know, you can figure out your top six. Uh, they had, you know, typical Schwartz, Beneers, Ebbs, McCann, Gord, Burakovsky, Bjorkstrand, Wemberg, Tanev, 
Donato, Geeky, Donskoy. I look at that and I go, okay, I get what you're talking about. Um, but you know what? They did not draft Shane Wright to not be on this roster no matter what. And I know that they don't put him in here because he's not considered technically rostered after camp in a way, even though he's got a contract. Um, he is going to be on this roster. And there's, a, I've been calling it since day one after the draft. There's a lot, or after the FA signings and everything, we've got a bit of a log jam going on here. Um, we're really deep down the center slot. Now we are, because we have a lot of utility center winger guys um, that are primarily centers that are slip over to the wing. You know, you've heard me say it on the last few episodes, I suppose. There's going to be some trades made at some point in the season, whether it's early, mid, or deadline, I don't know. But I, I'm still, and I think we know who the people are for the most part, at least one of them. The factors here of Wenberg, Donskoy, and Geeky are just so puzzling to me of how it's all going to work out. Because Wright's going to yeah, have to... Yeah, Coleman, too, and, and obviously Tanev is yeah. back. That's what I mean. Like if you look at Coleman right now, he's he's uh, you know he's the scratch player, and he'll get his rotation for sure. But the whole Wenberg thing's got me a little puzzled because you know on paper he's like a number two center. Him and Gord back and forth between two and three, correct? Uh, but Gord can, to me, Gord can work with any player out there on the ice, and I kind of slot him in a three position and all over the place. You know, he can work PP PK. It doesn't matter. He can get minutes. He can float anywhere. Wenberg is pretty dedicated centerman. If you're going to cite, uh, slot Shane right in, you know, you, you got to give him third line minutes minimum straight up. And I would hope you'd throw him in the center position. You know, people say, oh, you can put him on the wing. I'm telling you right now, he's a natural centerman. He wants to play center. They can put him on the wing and, and throw the Haxtell system at him all they want. But I don't want this kid being ruined. So this is going to be a real critical time post camp to see what happens because you know if you send him back to the ohl it's going to look kind of not good from a, a standpoint of well what happened to this guy he was projected number one you know at one time and he slipped to four is he number four is he is he less than that type in the of OHL want... more likely than coachella yeah it would be totally be a fallback to ohl on that one okay. um that's a that really has to be worked uh, by ron to, to a serious extent of, you know, how are we going to do this? And I just hope he has a really good camp and he can just slot him right in. And he might have to play that center to wing thing over and over and over. Some guys are going to be disposable on this roster at some point. And I'm, you know, which ones I keep talking about, and I don't want to harp on that, but it's, we've got a log. We really have a log jam going on here for sure, because our, our, you know, we have 24 in the 23 man roster signed on a cap sitting at 81, 489. So we've got a little over a million bucks sitting in space. We, we've got 15 forwards, 63 rostered on the payroll right now on a 24-man roster. So they have confidence in their forward group. You're going to see a lot of three-man rotation in and out of there. That would be Kuhlman, Lind, and probably Hayden. You know, those guys are going to be bouncing a lot. And then on the rear, you got the Kempney and then the Kale Fleury thing, 7-8. So that's okay, but we really got to, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we already know how Haxtell manages lines and, and it was an expansion team and it was one of his biggest complaints by many people, all of us, you know, about the constant, you know, mix up of lines 
first period, second period, didn't matter, game to game. Why is McCann and, on the third line? You know, oh God. Go. You know, and so this year is all all I'm saying is is this year is different. You got some some seat time. Everybody's got some seat time, right? And you've got some more quality players to play with. You've got more chance to really hold on to that roster and build your lines. I just hope he does. And I hope that our buddy Shane Wright gets a good chance, has a good camp. And I hope he doesn't get screwed in this system. I really do. Cause he's a good player and he's, he's going to make, he's going to be, he's an NHLer right now. You know, do you, do you think Hextall might uh, take a few, one or two anyway, centers kind of slide them back and forth to make room on any I given line? And if so, who would that be? You know? You know I do. I think he's going to go with Beneers, Gordon, Wimberg, and Geeky right down the middle for one, which pushes right out to the uh, to the right wing, slotting in there somewhere. But you already got Burakowski on the right. You got, you know, Tanev coming back. You got Ebbs. And so, you know, Donskoy had a lot of scratches last year towards the second half of the season anyway. So he knows he's got to light it up. But he's – I'm telling you right now, he's sitting at 3.9 million. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have to take a loss on him at some point somewhere. Uh, I'm thinking if he's going to – it's fourth-line guy making 3.9. It's already pushed at Tanev on the back and forth. Some, something's got to give there. It's probably going to be a loss, especially when you're sitting at a – at a cap that you are right now, you know, and I think yeah. everybody knows this. So I, I just wonder when that's going to take place. As we all know, we talk about that magic Thanksgiving time, you know, what's going to happen. And so if your team's doing well, better than they were last year by five, six points, you're probably safe. But if you're floundering and flat and even or minus, something's going to happen. And it's going to be with a couple players. And, um, who knows, maybe even a coaching situation, which Chris brings you to the coaching situation problem. Yeah, it does. That's a good uh, segue, Jim, because um, there's a new coach in town, uh, Nick, a Nick, new uh, assistant coach. And even though they were looking for an assistant coach, and so that could be uh, interesting later on, uh, Kraken added former Winnipeg Jets interim coach Dave Lowry, spent uh, most of last season the interim head coach for the Jets following the resignation of Paul Maurice. He also had a very long playing career. I spent 19 seasons as a player with uh, Vancouver, Calgary, St. Louis, Florida, and San Jose. He's just been brought in. So what's up with that, Jim? So that was kind of a surprise announcement. I, I think everybody was probably kind of comfortable everywhere else at the moment. And then they announced him. And even I was like double taken at the screen. Go, wait a minute, Lowry. He had a, I totally remember him in the NHL, you know, like 19 year career, Canucks, Blues, Panthers, Flames, Jets. Um, but yeah, his coaching resume is solid as well. I mean, he had 10 years in the WHL coaching great clubs. Uh, and then his, of course, four years in the NHL jets, Kings, whatever, but there's some real experience where our other two assistants in Leach and McFarlane, who are good, obviously, in their AHL experience and junior experience, you know, they don't really pack a, an NHL history like he did, uh, as a player and, or, his coaching resumes. So now you've got three on the bench. Some teams have three, some have two. Uh, it, it can only be good with his experience actually. So, and I totally remember him playing his career. So, yeah, I remember his name. Yeah. He was bounced around a bit and uh, around the league, of course. And uh, yeah, but uh, if there is, as you said, uh, 
cryptically, something could happen if things aren't looking good in November. Uh, yeah. There are uh, some guys waiting in the wings there, if, if need be, uh, in that coaching staff. And then also, uh, as we just touched on, uh, director of player development, they just brought a guy named Jeff Tambellini. Uh, what do we know about him? Well, Jeff, his father was an NHLer, quite a name, uh, played quite a few years. And he's from the thing I like about these guys is they got some BC connections, which is you might as well call it home, right? Yeah, right. Um, his dad, you know, played in Trail, up in Trail BC. I'm looking at a Trail Smoke Eaters jersey right over here. I love those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then he, so he, he played, he went to Michigan. He played in the BCHL, uh, he, University of Michigan, uh, a lot of European experience and a lot of in and out of the NHL. It's just, it's just a good hockey family name that's, that's going to be good, you know, as in the de development stage of things. So he can, you know, look out West. He's got a lot of connections in British Columbia, which is a huge fact player factory anymore. So uh, I'm happy with that. Yeah, and also uh, hired a guy named Matt Lark as skills development consultant and added uh, former Seattle goaltending coach Andrew Allen. He'll remain with the team as a scout evaluating goalies. So uh, he's still part of the team. So, yeah, reinforcements, reinforcements on the ice and uh, off the ice. So that's, that's interesting to see. So a lot happening here. So much for the summer uh, and, you know. <laughs> no no uh no dull moments um so with all these changes uh what's our current cap and roster situation uh, how, where are we can we make more moves what's are they uh you know obviously they still have a lot of room but not as much as they did. <laughs> well i don't know if they do because he's actually surprised me that he's brought it to the bubble already you know in a way when i look at it uh and I know he's building Coachella that, that has to be, but a lot of those guys aren't, aren't even counted in this, obviously. That's where I think some type of moves going to happen early on. I don't know if sure if it's going to create a buffer or what, what's going to happen, but they've got plenty of players on the roster, a little light uh, on the paid out defenseman up front. So I don't know. Like I said, he brought it up to the bubble quicker than I thought. I, I unless he's got some hidden, things up his sleeve i'm not sure i remember you were you were happy at staying at 10 million <laughs> i was <laughs> i i, I kind of leave it there man just leave it there well, you know and the only reason i said that is because we were building a new team after the initial expansion draft we had like what 24 million hanging there yeah and he he had a plan and that plant went in plan went into action pre-draft and then draft and everybody's going whoa look at this and then we still had a nice amount but then he started picking up not so much the bigger names, but all the underlining names too. And that in the scene, all of a sudden brought it up. They look, him and the other boys on the, on the management staff know a hell of a lot better on how to drive this thing and build it. But I was a little surprised that it came up right there. You know, yeah. I think we actually made a couple of acquisitions between that 10 million and that 7 million mark. And then it just seemed to just really dwindle down surprisingly really fast within two weeks, three weeks. I mean, yeah. since our last all episode. All, all of a sudden, those 850,000 contracts total up. <laughs> yeah, seven, 750, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe there's not as much leeway, but uh, 
Interesting team. It, it gets me excited because they were looking a little better toward the end of the season, obviously with Maddie Beneers in there and with all these guys. So I can't wait to, you know, watch some training camp uh, time coming up in a few weeks. Uh, that promises to be very interesting. Um, also, one thing that was interesting too to see kind of jumps back at the at the team and the players, uh, the bonding. You know, so much of this game is chemistry, and obviously it's chemistry on the ice, but also I think a lot of psychological. Did you see those guys were all uh, well, not all of them, but a bunch of them were all hanging out at Sea Fair. They're all like floating together at Lake Washington. <laughs> so, I did. I did see videos that. with Drieger and uh, and Grubauer. I did see that, and I thought, well, why do they have them on such a small boat? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Careful, guys. Yeah. yeah. These guys have been going on vacations together, too. I mentioned that before. They, I don't know how many. A uh, couple guys, you know, they're in the Caribbean. A couple guys in Mexico. I saw a picture of Tanev swimming with a, a stingray in his hand in the ocean, just, just having a good time, not thinking or worrying about hockey. And they need that kind of stuff. And it's nice to see that they're spending time together off the ice, away from home, just kind of connecting, you know, getting ready for the season because it's going to be it's going to be a, a brutal one one way or another. And, you know, that many games being around those guys all like that tensions are going to start getting high. So when you can be together and just relax, that's that's where, you know, the mesh really can happen. So I, I, I like seeing stuff like that a lot. Yeah, the guys are having fun and hopefully it translates into having fun on the ice also more additions there are even more additions beyond all that we're talking about guys but it's not on the ice it's actually uh looking above the ice this is another thing that i'm really excited about i know you are jim i think both of you guys are um in the uh, tv booth with john forsland forsland's still there of course but uh eddie olchek recently left the chicago blackhawks after 16 years as their color commentator and he is expected to work Seattle Kraken games this coming season. Now, Olchek's brother, Ricky, works for the Kraken. He's an assistant GM. Obviously, Olchek's also worked quite a bit with Forsland on national games. Uh, I'm I talk, I, one of the best college commentators uh, currently and, and, and maybe ever. I, I, lo I love his broadcasting skills and, and uh, talk and insight. I'm really excited. I don't know where that leaves JT. Uh, I guess maybe they'll have three men up there or how they're going to work that out. Or maybe old chick's not in all of the games, but thoughts on that guys. Yeah, that was a surprise. I tell you what, man, I'm out of left field. Lewick right? Wiki's checkbook is just open, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or is that, a, is that, a, I don't understand how that works between the team and root sports and all that stuff. But I, I do know they're going out and they're hiring a lot of people. And I think, you know, this place, the building, the region, the team, the ownership has sold itself to these folks. And, you know, that was their dream to begin with, to try to lure players here as well in the FA market long term. So it's happening with the media folks as well. And it's a huge staff all the way around. And then even when you look at like Root Sports, Man, that's just a layer of, of massive, great quality folks in there, too. I'm very impressed with all of it. Uh, yes, he's very good, Chris. Like you said, top three, just like John. I think you definitely have the top three easily, two guys. And then, like you said, I don't know what's going to happen. They said they're going to do a three-person, three-guy team. 
but I don't know how they're going to divvy. I mean, are they all going to smash in the booth up there? Or are they going to have John, you know, between the glass type of thing or moving around or doing, you know, I don't know, but it's going to be interesting. I hope it from a production standpoint doesn't become a, say like an ESPN plus jumbled mess that sometimes would happen. Sort of like right? eight guys in between the uh, periods. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but not much. Uh, yeah. It, it gets to be overkill sometimes. And so yeah. even more chemistry between all the, all of them. So, I mean, I think JT improved throughout the year, um, but he's, you know, he's, I, I don't know. I think he can learn a lot from, from Eddie and as I'm sure he learned from John doing those broadcasts and uh, I'm sure they'll work it out. But Forslund and Olchek are just, you know, good old pros at this. And, um, and I think, you know, the, the crew on the ice and, you know, ice side, uh, they've got, they've got some real winners here for a team only in their second year. You're right. Like Wiki's making some magic happen. Totally. I think, I, I, I think with JT's most recent experience, I see him on the ice between the glass more. He can relate to the players. He's played with a lot of these players against a lot of these players. Uh, he's got a history with these guys in recent years. I think he would probably flourish a little bit better down on the ice, talking with the guys, getting those interviews. Who knows? Like you said, I mean, having three people up in that booth, I don't know how that would work. That would just be like all of us trying to call a game and that would be that would be tough. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I do see him probably making room for Eddie up there and being elsewhere a little bit more anyways. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it takes some pressure off JT. And I could see that scenario for sure, Nathan. Or uh, maybe it's a thing where, yeah, he'll do some eyesight stuff or some occasional in-booth things. But it sounded also like Old Chick might not be there for all the games. So Obviously, we've got JT in there, too. So it'll be interesting. They'll probably have to uh, finesse it a little bit and, and it'll evolve. But I, I'm super excited. I think it just brings the uh, whole broadcast team to another level. Maybe he'll be up there with Allison. There you go. Oh, yeah. They, they all the uh, going, going in all the analytics. There you go. <laughs> uh, on, on the little platforms on section, what is it, 12 and six, 17, they've got their little platforms they all oh, hang right. out. Yeah, yep, for sure. All right. Well, good stuff, guys. Well, we'll be back, uh, of course, uh, a little more often in the coming weeks. Uh, we've got training camp coming up, preseason games. Uh, we'll have more to talk about the Coachella Valley Firebirds, who, as we mentioned earlier, uh, are going to play their first few games here in Seattle. So lots of hockey coming up and no doubt some more moves and things because uh, there always is with the Kraken. So what can we say? There's plenty to talk about. But as always, we thank you for listening. We also say thanks much, as always, to our producer, Jay Middleton. Um, and uh, for Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson, I'm Chris Porter. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, go, go, go Kraken. Kraken.